Well, I'm ready to, to take off here. And uh, what did you think when you got the sheets for today and you thought, oh no, blanks again? <laughs> you know, yeah, I, 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 cannot, I cannot help myself, you guys. I promise you next week there'll be no blanks, I think. But anyhow, anyhow, anybody needs a pencil or a pen, you, you let me know and I'll make sure you get one. Anybody? Do you need one, Donna? Ah. Boom. There you go, Helen. Oh. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? Uh, as, as I kind of hinted in, in the prayer, I want to repeat it once again. Not that you don't know this. You know this, of course. Our lives are complex. The simplest life in here, whose ever life that may be, is a complex life still. Very, very complex. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, uh, it is thought that when an individual retires, life gets so simple. You know, all I have to do is go out on a golf course every day, or all I have to do is this every day, or, or whatever. Life is complex in so many respects. And this particular lesson, uh, a lesson where uh, Christiana will now come to the very same place that Christian had come to. Uh, it's going to be like it, but not like it. Okay? So let's, let's get into it here. Part two, Christiana's journey and our need for constant instruction. I have sometimes hanging on my door to my office at home this little picture. It's a little picture that uh, I found taped in a place where at one particular time in the college, we met in groups at, at different places. And I loved that. <laughs> I loved that little recognition and I saved it. You, might, you guys might get the idea that I'm a saver. <laughs> you, you get that idea? <laughs> if I lived in a huge castle, I, I, would, I would have all kinds of more room to save. <laughs> but anyway. We don't. So, our thoughts for this morning, our, our need for constant instruction is going to focus on Psalm 119. So why don't you open your Bible with me to Psalm 119. And uh, you know, of course, that in opening to Psalm 119, we're certainly not going to give attention to this whole chapter. Uh, this is a fascinating <coughs> chapter. Uh, we're going to give attention to just one of the stanzas from this amazing alphabetical psalm. It's a psalm that has 22 stanzas in it, and in all of our Bibles, no matter what Bible you have with you today, it is divided into these 22 sections, and I think almost invariably in front of each one of the stanzas you will find the name of the Hebrew letter. In some Bibles, it even has the Hebrew character, too. I love those. But the fascinating character of this psalm is that each one of these stanzas, every verse in that stanza begins with the letter of the alphabet that is named for that stanza. In other words, what is the first stanza? Aleph, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Well, we've come down to... Stanza Mem, 
By the way, this whole psalm has the theme, the word of God. And it would be good if somehow I could snap my finger and time would stop. I think we could spend a little time maybe just looking at one stanza, maybe stanza number one for an example, and identifying the different terms, the different terms that are used for the Bible. There's several different terms that are used. But without any further delay, I want to look at stanza mem, which is roughly the equivalent of our letter M, verses 97 and following. So I have my Bible open to this, and I'm going to read through these verses. You can listen in or follow along in your Bible. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. A couple observations here, and I've asked us to name five things that the psalmist says in this stanza about the word of God. The first thing that he said, and it's in the very first verse there, he says that he loves the Word of God. Don't, don't you love that verse of Scripture? Don't you love that? Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. The more the Word of God dwells in us richly, the more that it dwells in us, the more we can meditate on it all day. Okay? Number two, he loved it. Number two, he meditated on it. Number three, it made him wise. And it's very interesting the way the psalm puts this here. Uh, wiser than his enemies. We can understand that. Wiser than his instructors or his teachers. Students usually smile on that one, you know. And then third of all, wiser than the elders. Than, you know, Wisdom resides in the older folk who have learned so much by experience. I mean, just generally speaking, older people have learned so much by experience. But loving the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, makes us wiser even than those who just by virtue of age have learned a lot. Number four, it caused him to hate every false way. To love God and to love God's word requires us to hate every false way. And number five, it was pleasant to him. Not peasant. It was pleasant to him. Pleasant. Pleasant like honey. How many of you love honey? How many of you love honey? I think a lot of you love honey 
Believe it or not, when I eat honey, I get a stomachache. Honey, honey is oftentimes referred to as the purest food, you know? But I get a stomachache. I mean, I remember back when I was in college, I used to take a spoonful of honey before every soccer game. And, and it gave me, supposedly, energy and everything. But somewhere along the line, it developed a, an allergy or, or an adverse reaction. But so often in Scripture, honey is described as that which gives such delight from its sweetness. And that's what the psalm is talking about here. It was pleasant to him like honey. Now, I, I would suggest to you that you write out verse 102. 102. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. And the reason why I have chosen this verse and, and suggested that you write that verse out is particularly because of these last words. You have taught me. You have taught me. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. And rules is one of the several words in this psalm that is used to describe the word of God. Well, I'm going to ask for some help here. Uh, First of all, 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10. Would somebody like to read that? Or I'd be happy to get there before you and read it if you want. I don't think we have time to dilly-dally here today. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Listen to this, what Paul writes. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you Listen to the next words now. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. You have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia, that we urge you brothers to do this more and more. You have been taught by God to love one another, says the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian saints. And then, and this is a longer reference here, in Job chapter 22, Job such a, such a uh, chapter 36, excuse me, such a fascinating book. We do not have time, unfortunately, to read all of those verses, but I want to read to you, especially in chapter 36 of Job, Verse 22. I love this verse. This would be a good one to write out and memorize also. Write out a card for yourself. Behold, God is exalted in his power. See the next part of the verse? Who is a teacher like him? Who is a teacher like God? Who is a teacher like God? The greatest teacher by far, immeasurably, Far. God, our teacher. Note, we will never graduate from our need to be constantly learning as long as we are in this world. Never. Thus, 
Here are two good questions to ask. Two good questions for us to be asking. What is God teaching me right now? Whether we're going through an illness, whether a loved one is going through an illness, a financial collapse, family problems, etc., etc., etc. What is God teaching me right now? Because who is a teacher like God? God can teach us through illnesses. God can teach us through calamities and all that. What is God teaching me right now? It's a good question to ask. And then the second question, very much related to it, what am I learning right now? What is he teaching me right now? Well, he could be teaching things and I'm not learning at all. That's sad. That's tragic. But what am I learning right now? You know, I have found that it's a good thing. It's a good thing to very, very specifically write out things that we think we can think through. What is God teaching me right now? Well, he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing this. And if they're just in our minds and not written down, they're, they're so easily forgotten, very, very easily forgotten. So can I just advocate writing them down? But let's, let's get going here. Persons and places along the way as we continue The house of the interpreter. The house of the interpreter. As they drew near to the house of the interpreter, they could hear a great deal of talking going on inside. They thought that they heard Christiana's name being mentioned because talk of their pilgrimage had preceded them. Isn't that kind of neat? They're getting near. They haven't gone in yet. They're hearing talking from inside. And oh, did I hear my name? Did I hear my name? Uh, the news had preceded them. They haven't even arrived at the house of the interpreter yet. But the news that they were on pilgrimage had preceded them there already. Pretty neat. The welcome. The welcome they received. Christiana knocked, and a young damsel named Innocent came to the door. Christiana sought accommodations for her and the others with her, for a day, the day was far spent. When Christiana told her who she was, Innocent ran to tell the others, and great joy filled the house. Uh, to say that they received a, a loving welcome is probably an understatement. Uh, there was such joy in the house that the wife of Pilgrim, who had been here before, how long before, I don't know. I, I have no way of knowing. But they received a wonderful welcome. Well, what happened when Christian came to the house of the interpreter? Well, several things happened, but... Let's go to the second bullet there. When they had come in and sat down, all in the house came to see them and smile for joy that Christiana had become a pilgrim, and they lovingly welcomed all of them. Since supper was not yet ready, the interpreter took them into his significant rooms. That's the way they're described here, significant rooms, to show them things that were profitable to Christian and would also be so, and would also be so for them. They saw some of the things that Christian 
had seen in the significant rooms. Now, not all the things are mentioned, not all the things, but here's some of the things that Christian song was profited by. What is that, that first one? How would you describe that? The man in the iron cage. The man in the iron cage in such, in such despair. What is the second one? Storming the castle. Storming the castle. Those who with great, great diligence enter into the kingdom was stressed. And then, and this was really the first thing that Christian was shown, and I love this one very much. I, I, loved, I loved looking at this one in my mind's eye, and when I found that picture, I loved that picture very much of Christian being shown the picture and the picture being described. The picture of an individual who was obviously a minister of the Word of God. The world was behind him. The Bible was in his hand. A crown was over his head and all that. So there are things that Christians saw. Uh, these things are not emphasized here. Why? Well, because there's a lot more that is to be seen. So that's your next bullet. They saw the things that he had seen. Man in a cage, man in, and his, a man in his dream, the man who stormed the castle, a large portrait on the wall, and the rest. Then they were shown yet more things with significant meanings. Now, holy cow, there's a whole bunch of blanks there. Stay with me. Everybody, lock in with me right now. Lock in with me. Okay? You can do this. <laughs> you can do this. So here we go. And, and I'll tell you what. I'm going to emphasize it again. We live complex lives. Very complex. And it's going to be a kind of a reflection on the complexity of our lives. All the different things that we see here. So here's the first thing. The man with the muck rake. The man with the muck rake. The man could only look, what's the next blank? Downward. The man could only look downward as he raked straws and sticks. The man could only look downward. He never lifted his head up. He's raking away at the straw and the sticks, never looking up at all. Above, and this, is, this picture is such a good picture of this, above was one with a celestial crown. Now, that's, that's kind of depicted in the background here, but I think you can see enough of it that who does that represent? The Lord Jesus, who has a crown up above him. The man with a crown, a celestial crown. So, so what, what is meant by this? Why was he shown, why did he show them, Christiana and Mercy and the boys, why did he show them these things? Well, here's the, here, here's the way in the conversation, in the course of conversation, the teaching is given. The lost of this world are so focused on the worthless things of this world, this earth, that they have no regard for the things of heaven. They have no regard 
or heavenly things. Is, is that an accurate picture? Well, of course it is. Was that ever an accurate picture of us before we were brought to Christ? Well, sure. Yeah. First sight, the man with the muckrake. Ready for the next one? Here we go. You ready for the picture? Boom! There it is. There it is. Aren't you glad spiders don't get that big? At least the ones we're familiar with right here. I've seen some pretty big ones. The spider. The spider. Uh, an ugly, venomous spider. That's the word. An ugly, venomous spider on the wall in the best room of the house. Now, I, I tell you what, I love spider webs, I do, especially the beautifully designed ones, the orb webs and all that. I love spider webs. I have a little section of the pictures in my camera that's entitled spider webs and pictures of webs that I've taken, but I don't like spiders. <laughs> Couldn't have the webs without the spiders. I mean, one of the things that gives me Fear is that when I'm up early in the morning at camp and go for a walk in the woods and I run smack into a web stretched across the trail with a huge banana spider in it that lands on me somehow. But what in the world is going to be taught here? Hmm. And notice that there wasn't just one spider in there. Not just one spider. There were many. Well, here it is. We, who are filled with venom, the venom of sin, can even dwell in the king's palace by faith. That, that's, the, that's the teaching that is stressed to Christiana and Mercy and the others. That's what this is representing. We who are filled with the venom of sin, is there anybody in here that is free from the venom of sin right now? Well, unfortunately not. We are not ruled by sin. No, no. But we who have the venom of sin still in us can dwell in, even in the king's palace by faith. And so that is represented in, uh, in chapter 30 in Proverbs. All right, two visits, two visits down. By no means have we come to the end. The hen and her chicks. The hen and her chicks. How many of you guys ever raised chickens? Have you guys ever raised chickens? Uh, some of you raised chickens. You know what? When I was a young boy, and I think I must have been such a young boy that I don't really have a very good memory of this. We had a little chicken coop built onto the back of our garage. It was just a little one-car garage, of course, because everybody had just one car back in those days. But it was a little chicken coop built on the back of that. And my dad raised chickens. And why did we raise the chickens? Well, uh, for eggs, but then to eat them. I don't ever remember seeing this. And if I had seen it, it would have been a vivid thing to be stuck in my head. But I remember hearing the stories of dad chopping the head off of the chicken and the chicken running around the garage without its head on. 
Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> matter of fact, I'm glad I didn't see that, probably. I would have made a terrible impression on me. But I do remember, I, I can almost hear my mom's words in my ears here. Nellie and the chickens had names. <laughs> Nellie's number had come up. <laughs> Nellie's number had come up for Nellie to be uh, had for dinner. And here's what I remember in my mom's words. Nellie laid an egg before the day of her execution. <laughs> and I think it probably staved off her execution a little bit. But hey, let's go back in the house here. Yeah, let's go back in the house. The hen and her chicks. The hen drinks. Now, how does the hen drink? How is it described in the book? Ah, that's exactly right. Did y'all hear that? You get some water and the hen puts its head up in the sky so that the water can't get down. The hen drinks and looks skyward and then she has four calls, which I will not demonstrate this morning. One that's called a common call. I guess what you commonly hear the, chick, the hens doing. A special call, a brooding call, and an alarming call. Four different kinds of calls. What's the, what's the instruction from this room? Now, first of all, when we drink in the mercies of God, we lift our eyes to heaven in thanks to God. We lift our eyes to heaven in thanks to God. And how often do we drink in mercies? Um, there's never a day when you don't drink in mercies. But then what about all these calls? The children of the heavenly king hear his voice of instruction, provision, protection and warning. They are the words. Whether of instruction, provision, protection, and warning. Now, notice this, the heavenly king, the children of the heavenly king. <clears throat> In his book, and I, I'm, I'm very saddened that I don't have a book like uh, Bradley's book that helped with the interpretation of Pilgrim's Progress Part 1, but in Riken's very helpful book here, which covers <clears throat> both of them, <clears throat> he says, elsewhere, <clears throat> excuse me, elsewhere, a chicken symbolizes a virtuous king, a virtuous king, and here it's referred to as the heavenly king. So, another illustration, <clears throat> another part of life. But we're not done yet. The butcher and the sheep. The butcher and the sheep. That's not a pleasant picture. That is not a pleasant picture at all. <clears throat> Have you ever seen anything like that? You know, believe it or not, I think I saw something like that when I was in Israel, one of the times I was in Israel, in Jerusalem, probably, where the, the lamb had been slain to dedicate the business that was opening as a part of the dedication of it. 
that as the butcher killed the sheep, it took its death patiently. And here it is. As sheep of the Heavenly Father, we endure suffering patiently without murmurings and complaints. Without murmurings and complaints. <clears throat> That's all, not always the easiest thing to do, is it? Not always the easiest thing to endure suffering patiently without murmurings and complaints. But if we're to live in a way that honors God and glorifies God, then we are to be like the sheep who took its death patiently. We're to be like the sheep who suffers patiently, the things that we endure. That's the lesson to be learned. Ah, who in this room did not think of Vicky on this one? Vicky, you just occupied my thoughts completely when they came to this room. There was a garden, and in that garden, there was a great variety, a great variety of flowers. <clears throat> and just as there is great variety among the flowers, so there is great variety and harmony among God's people. That's, that's, the, that's the point that Bunyan writes in here. <clears throat> Now, of course, we, we are so blessed here to have the beautiful gardens that we have around here. Vicki, your, your hard work in there is, is probably not anywhere near as much appreciated as it ought to be, but we thank you for that. But you know what I'm brought to mind also when you, when, when you see this? It's kind of like so many varieties of flowers here. And Did, did you ever, when you're driving down a highway, come to a... A city or whatever where the median, a city out in the country, where in the median there was all kinds of wildflowers growing. They must have just thrown the seeds of wildflowers in there. Isn't it so much nicer to see something like that than to just be driving through there and seeing the grass or the overgrown grass that needs to be mowed and all that? Seeing all those beautiful wildflowers. <clears throat> Sometimes Helen wonders why I get home at the time I get home from my bike rides, it's because I am so easily attracted by every little flower that I see that sometimes I have to stop, get off, pull my phone out of my back pocket of my jersey, take it out of the Ziploc bag, log in with my log code, and then take a picture of this beautiful flower. I, I'm fascinated by flowers that are that big, really. But the point that Bunyan is making here is that there's great variety among the people of God and great harmony among the people of God. You know what? I, I say this again, and I've said it in different contexts here. If only we knew the degree of the great variety of people in this room. The great variety among us. What our backgrounds are, what our interests are, and all that. And here we are, all sitting together, studying together, praying together, and all that. How, how sweet is that? But we're not done yet. 
This is an interesting one. Can you see that? The field with wheat and corn. The field with wheat and corn. I haven't even turned the page myself yet. <clears throat> the field was sown with both wheat and corn, and the tops of all were cut off. And the tops of all were cut off. What then? What then? Uh, <clears throat> look for the fruit, burn the straw, beware. I, I, that's the simplest way I can put it. Look for the fruit, the wheat or the corn, burn the straw, the stuff that's worthless, the stuff that we don't eat. Yes, maybe they feed it to the, to the cows and so on, but, you know, not for us. And then, beware. Beware. Beware that in this, you condemn not others. That's, that's the way he more fully puts it. Beware that in this, you condemn not others. Others that differ from us, but have value. Beware. Beware. We have it? We good? What will the next picture be? The robin and the spider. Now, before, <clears throat> before I get chastised for not picturing a robin here, you guys try to find an image of a robin and a spider. <clears throat> this is the best I could do. So make believe this is a blue-winged robin. <clears throat> You've never heard of one before. But there it is. And is that a spider in his... This is a robin and a spider, I want to tell you. Okay. All right. A little robin with a large spider in its mouth. A little robin with a large spider in its mouth. So what is the point that is being made here? What is the lesson? Those who seem to live on the crumbs of a good man can also gobble down sin like water. Those who seem to live on the crumbs of a good man can also gobble down sin like water. That's, that's the way he puts the lesson to be learned. Uh, again, am, am I trying to learn as I go from room to room here? I've, I've been in these rooms before. But am I trying to learn here? Am I saying, no, what? Does this have any relevance to me? You guys take heed that we don't gobble down sin like water. What next? A tree. A tree that was rotting inside. It was growing and had leaves, <clears throat> but it was rotting inside. It was rotten inside. You know, there is a tree, and I probably should have, <laughs> I probably should have included my picture here rather than this picture, which I found on the internet, but I'll, I'm happy to keep that one. There is a tree that I pass every time I ride on the little spur of the trail that comes out of 
Wall Springs, and I look at that tree, and it is a tree with leafed, you know, foliage on it and everything, it's healthy, but down the bottom of the tree, there's an opening, and every time I go by there, I say, I have just gone by a gnome home. I know I have. <laughs> it looks like a gnome would live in that tree. And how much of the tree is rotten inside? I do not know. But what is the lesson here? Those who appear to be healthy can have hearts that are fit to be burned. That's another sobering lesson, isn't it? To appear to be healthy and really have lots of rottenness inside. Uh, you know, take heed. Take heed. Uh, very interestingly, the next bullet here, the next bullet. Before the last of these, since supper was not yet ready, the interpreter shared with them a number of short sayings that remind us of things found in the Old Testament book of Proverbs and, and some of the parables of Jesus. There are 13 of them. Now, shall I read the 13? We only have about five minutes left here, but I think I can read through these. The fatter the sow is, the more she desires the mire. The fatter the ox is, the more gamesomely he goes to the slaughter. And the more healthy the lusty man is, the more prone he is unto evil. Lusty there meaning strong. Number two, there is a desire in women to go neat and fine, and it is a comely thing to be adorned with that, that in God's sight is of great price. Number three, tis easier watching a night or two than to sit up a whole year together. So tis easier for one to begin to profess well than to hold out as he should to the end. Number four, every shipmaster, when in a storm, will willingly cast that overboard that is of the smallest value in the vessel. But who will throw the best out first? None but he that feareth not God. Number five, one leak will sink a ship and one sin will destroy a sinner. Number six, he that forgets his friend is ungrateful unto him, but he that forgets his savior is unmerciful to himself. Number seven, he that lives in sin and looks for happiness hereafter is like him that soweth cockle and thinks to fill his barn with wheat and barley. Cockle is a species of weeds. Number eight, if a man would live well, let him fetch his last day to him and make it always his company keeper. Number nine, whispering and change of thoughts pro pro proves that sin is in the world. Number 10, if the world which God sets light by is counted a thing of that, of that worth with men, what is heaven that God commendeth? Number 11, if the life that is attended with so many troubles is so loath to be let go by us. What is the life above? Number 12, everybody will cry up the goodness of men, but who is there that is, as he should, affected with the goodness of God? And number 13, we seldom sit down to meet, but we eat and leave. So there is in Jesus Christ more merit and righteousness 
than the whole world has need of. Well, in my, in my version here, I put some little blue dots by the ones that were my favorites. You can go back and look in your book and make your selection of those things later. Things that are Proverbs, the life of wisdom. Proverbs, short sayings that are long on wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom in these, in these statements. Some more so, some easier to see than others, but let me move on here now. Supper, supper. At last the supper was ready. First before eating, one gave thanks. Then as they ate, they were entertained with music. One of the minstrels with a very fine voice sang. And among the words are these words. The Lord is only my support and he that doth me feed. How can I then want anything whereof I stand in need? When the song and music had ended, the interpreter asked Christiana what had moved her to take on the pilgrim's life. She rehearsed her guilt and a dream and the letter from the king and the opposition from her neighbor to which the interpreter said, your beginning is good, your latter end shall greatly increase. I think there are significant words. Your beginning is good, your latter end shall greatly increase. He then asked Mercy, what had moved her to come here? She at first blushed and trembled and was silent. But after being encouraged by the interpreter, she shared what she had done and why she had done it. To which the interpreter said, your setting out is good, for you have given credit to the truth. You are a Ruth for the love which she had for Naomi and to the Lord her God, left her father and mother in her homeland. When supper was ended, they lay down for a night's rest. Mercy, however, could not sleep for joy, for her doubts of missing salvation were removed from her further than ever before. So she laid on the bed blessing and praising God who had shown her such favor. In the morning, they were taken into the garden and to the bath, to the bath and I should probably, you know, pass that one. They were taken into the garden to the bath where they all went in and washed, coming out sweet and clean and also livened and strengthened. Following this, they were sealed by having a mark set upon them that they might be uh, known in the places that they were going, they were yet to go. The seal was the contents and sum of the Passover. The mark which was set between their eyes made their countenance look angelic. I love this next thing. Additionally, they were given new garments to wear, fine linen, white and clean. Interestingly, they could not see their own glory, but only that of the others. Therefore, they began to esteem each other better than themselves. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that lovely? They didn't boast in their own garments, but in the garments of the others. Wow. The interpreter then called for one of the servants, a man named Greatheart, who was instructed to take up his sword, helmet, and shield, 
and accompany this group of ladies and children to the house called Beautiful. As they set out once again to be on their pilgrimage, they went with the good wishes of those in Interpreter's house and sang as they went. In the song, they rehearsed what they had experienced on the second stage of their journey. They had heard and seen good things that others have never seen or would ever see. Lessons were learned which they desired to be conformed to. The last verse is especially to be noted. To move me for to watch and pray, to strive to be sincere, to take my cross up day by day and serve the Lord with fear. And here is Greatheart, the way Greatheart is depicted here. I have another picture that actually I'd used earlier than this. It's a sort of a woodcut and it, it showed Greatheart with a spear, with a sword that is probably taller than himself carrying it on his shoulder. I like this one better. How much are we going to see of Greatheart from here on? Well, Greatheart is to accompany them to the palace beautiful or the house beautiful. What then? Well, we'll have to keep reading and see, won't we? We'll have to keep reading and see. I have some things and I've, expend, I've expended my time, so I have some things that you can think about. But in your reading, uh, read from where they left Interpreter's house with Greatheart to when they arrived at the Porter's house. Hmm. At the Porter's house. What will happen between one and the other? <clears throat> oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation, day and night. Stanza mem began that way. Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts that we might read your word every day. Lord, we haven't read it so much that we can sit down and say, I know it all now. I don't need any more. Lord, help us to enjoy the nourishment of our souls every day as we continue to read your word, even after so many years. Lord, we pray for those among us and among our loved ones who are much in need of healing for their bodies. Lord, please give them strength. Lord, please glorify yourself in their situations and in our situations as well. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Larry, may